Episode 2, The Commentary. Lights 350 and sound 84. Testing, one, two, testing, one, two. Progress is born of agitation. It is agitation or stagnation. I've taken my choice. Los sindicatos, tu voz en tu lugar de trabajo. This is Sabocat! Author's note, this piece was recorded in 2019, going for cheeky, meaning impudent or irreverent, typically in an endearing or amusing way. Since then, the national debate shifted greatly around Trump and civil disobedience, now offered with respect to protesters everywhere. Cheekiness and all. Here's Courtney and I in the booth. So Courtney, picture a public courtyard, a plaza in the center of Girard, Kansas. The year is 1908. Eugene V. Debs has been called there, though he doesn't know why, to find a crowd awaiting his remarks. He's just been nominated to run for president by the Socialist Party. Okay, this really happened. I'm picturing history now. Yes, yes. This is documented. It's history and history in the making as Debs steps before the crowd. He doesn't even know why he's been called there. In fact, he opens with, well, here, uh, Saibi, that's our sound engineer in the booth. Can you roll that first soundbite, please? Comrades, ladies and gentlemen, when I made some inquiry a few moments ago as the cause of this assembling, I was told that it was the beginning of another street fair. I'm quite surprised, and agreeably so, to find myself the central attraction. Allow me in the very beginning to express my heartiest appreciation of the more than kind and generous words which have been spoken here for me this afternoon. That's Kevin Kennerly, who was generous enough to offer his talent to bring this speech to life to resurrect Deb's voice. So Kevin recorded the entire speech true to text, the whole piece of history. Yes, we have the full version available. Uh, check it out. It's really, it's complete, unabridged. It's a masterful speech. And of course, Kevin's voice just compels the ideas forward into what I think is a very contemporary setting. Now that's a hundred, that's over a hundred years ago. How contemporary can it be? Well, that's what I want to unpack today. Saibi is going to play excerpts from the issue, and we'll explore in the commentary why, when I I read this the first time, it did feel relevant. The dichotomies between Deb's words and the modern political world, why it felt like there was a deep value that answered a vacancy as we entered the 2018 and 2020 elections. Mm. The contrast, the two divergent sides. Exactly. All right, let's give a listen. I've come to realize that there is no honor in any real sense to any man unless he is capable of consecrating himself to the service of his fellow men. To the extent that I am able to help others to help themselves, to that extent and to that extent alone, do I honor myself and the party to which I belong. So far as the presidency of the United States is concerned, I would spurn it, were it not that it conferred the power to serve the working class. And he who enters that office with any other conception of its functions prostitutes and does not honor that office. Call the other side, and they do this somewhere. The elite, the elite. Why are they elite? I have a much better apartment than they do. I'm smarter than they are. I'm richer than they are. I became president, and they didn't. Uh, I don't even know what to. I mean, I don't even, I don't even know what to say. I, uh, Courtney, you got, I mean, that just, ne- next clip. 
Next clip. Long, long ago, I made up my mind never again to be a candidate for any political office within the gift of the people. But I've had to violate that vow. Because when I joined the Socialist Party, I was taught that the wish of the individual was subordinate to the party will, and that when the party commanded, it was my duty to obey. Nobody's ever seen growth like we're having right now. When I go around and meet foreign leaders, they all congratulate me, Mr. President. Congratulations on the growth of the United States. Congratulations, everyone. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I can do this. I don't think I don't think this was a bad this was a bad idea. I can't even. It doesn't even die. Jesus. Thousands of years ago, the question was asked, Am I my brother's keeper? That question has never yet been answered in a way that is satisfactory to civilized society. Yes, I am my brother's keeper. I'm under a moral obligation to him, inspired not by any maudlin sentimentality, but by the higher duty I owe to myself. What would you think of me? If I were capable of seating myself at a table and gorging myself with food and saw about me the children of my fellow beings starving to death. I moved on her like a bitch. I couldn't get there. And she was married. May I? I Of course. Trump. Next clip. Do you know, my friends, it is so easy to agree with the ignorant majority. It is so easy to make people applaud an empty platitude. It takes some courage to face that beast called the majority and tell him the truth to his teeth. Give some tic tacs just in case they start kissing it. Trump! As long as a relatively few men own the railroads, the telegraph, the telephone, the oil fields and the gas fields and the steel mills and the sugar refineries and the leather tanneries, own, in short, the sources and means of life, They will corrupt our politics. They will enslave the working class. They will impoverish and debase society. They will do all things that are needful to perpetuate their power as the economic masters and the political rulers of the people. Okay, well, you can't see this, but Josh is definitely jumping up and down and waving middle fingers around. So we're going to move on. Sybe. Had I not known from my own experience just what it is to have to beg for work, Just what it is to be shown the door as if I were a very offensive intruder. Had I not known what it is to suffer for food? Had I not seen every door closed and barred in my face? Had I not found myself friendless and alone as a boy looking for work and in vain? Perhaps I would not be here this afternoon. I might have grown up as some others have, who have been, as they regard themselves, fortunate. I might have waved aside my fellow man and said, Do as I have done. If you are without work, it is your own fault. Look at me. I am self-made. No man is under the necessity of looking for work if he's willing to work. A presidential candidate said that in Ireland. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab him by the pussy. We can go to the same church and hear the minister tell us in good conscience that we ought to love each other. And the next day, we approach the edge of some business transaction. Do we remember what the minister told us? No. It is forgotten until next Sunday. Six days in the week, we are following the golden rule reversed. Keep your eye on the almighty dollar and your fellow man. Get the dollar and keep him down. Make him produce for you. Listen, don't hurt your head on the mic, Josh. You're going to, it's not worth it. Think of, think of the sound engineer. You are not your brother's keeper in this system. Suppose he is poor. 
Suppose his wife is forced into prostitution. Suppose his child is deformed. And suppose he shovels off by destroying himself. What is that to you? But you ought to be ashamed. Take the thing home and look it in the face. I did not mean to keep myself present. I am sure I appreciate the patience with which you listen From the very beginning of my each of you, every man, woman, and child, for this splendor, this thing, which I shall until memory empties its urn into forgetfulness. Just check out the full version of the issue and Cybe run the end credits. Episode 2, The Commentary, featuring Courtney Cunningham, Joshua Hewitts, and Donald Trump. Written by Joshua Hewitts, with content from Eugene V. Debs and Donald Trump. I'm Kevin Kennerly, and Josh makes us do these stupid end credit jokes. 